You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. Have you ever gone accidentally to the wrong place by mistake? Like, have you ever accidentally, like, when I was in college one time, I remember I went to the wrong class. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was showing up for this class. I think I was running a little bit late, and I just, I just snuck in the back row, taking my books out, putting them on the table, getting ready. I'm looking beside me. I'm like, you're not in my English class. I'm looking at the next person. You're not in my English class. None of you are in my English class. And who is that professor? That's not my English professor. And, of course, English was on Tuesday, and it wasn't Tuesday. I was in, totally in the wrong place. Have you ever done something like that? Uh, we lived, uh, my family and I, we lived in Greenville, North Carolina for, for a number of years, and, uh, and East Carolina University is there. Anybody fan of the ECU Pirates in the house? Yeah, yeah, me and Ron. Okay, I see two hands. All right, so, so we became big ECU Pirates fans. I don't know if this is a true story, if it's just kind of like an urban football legend, uh, but there's a story of a coach from an opposing football team flying uh, in for a football game at ECU in Greenville, but when he landed, he realized he was in Greenville, South Carolina, and not Greenville, North Carolina. Like, have you ever been in the wrong place, and you're just like, oh, man. Now, you've all done this. You ever gone into the wrong bathroom? Yeah. Yeah, like, you're a boy, and you went to the girl one, right, or vice versa. And we all understand that this is acceptable. Like, it happens. It's, everyone kind of laughs at you. Your face turns a little red, and you get over it. But you also realize that the longer you go on making this mistake without turning around, the more awkward and unacceptable it is, right? So, like, we've all, like, walked past a sign, like, oops, and then we've all walked in just barely, like, oops. And, but I had a buddy one time. He was a, it was a gymnasium kind of like this. It wasn't a YMCA, but another gym. And I guess he hadn't been there many times or ever before. I don't know. So he goes into the bathroom, and he finds his way to a stall, and he's in the stall. And, and while he's in there, suddenly, and there's no one else in the bathroom that he was aware of, suddenly, like a girls' volleyball team finished practice, and they all just start funneling in, and they're, they're getting ready to change and shower. Like I said, it's, it's acceptable, but the longer you're in there, the least acceptable, you know, it gets worse. And so he's in there, and he acts quickly. He's very well aware of this principle. He goes, uh, hey, uh, I didn't know it was the girl one. I, is everyone decent? I got to get out of here. You know, he's mortified, and he walks out, and I love telling that story about him. Uh, his name's Marty. You can joke him if you want to, if, if I, you ever meet him. So um, it's, 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 when you're in the wrong place, you can't exactly accomplish exactly what you set out to accomplish. Maybe something close, but not exactly. You, you see where I'm going with that, but not exactly. Not exactly. And, uh, you know, we're starting this teaching series today called Breathing Room. I mentioned a little earlier. And our goal over the next about month this week and three other weeks is to spend time looking at the areas of our life that are cluttered and how can we declutter them and how can we find breathing room based on principles that God teaches us in the Bible and, and in different areas of our life. But here's the thing. I, I think that one uh, problem that we could encounter with that is that many times we try to find space or happiness or goodness or gladness in life but for some reason, it still doesn't seem to work. And here's my proposal to you, that it's possible that you're just not in the right place. It might be a place that's very similar to the right place, but when you're in the wrong place, you just can't accomplish what it is that you set out to accomplish. And so before we get into these categorical things that we want to find breathing room in over the next few weeks, man, I want to make sure we're in the right place 
the holiday seasons are upon us, and, I, and you know, this next, this two-month period from about November 1st to about January 1st, it is kind of a, a snapshot of what our whole life is like. Uh, it's amazing how much we pack into that two-month period of time. I mean, we've got travel, we've got parties, we've got parades, we've got, you know, recitals and Christmas plays we've got to go to, we've got TV specials and all the movies you've got to watch every year. You've got to redecorate your house like three different times over this time period. It's like, wait, you can't put a pumpkin there. No, pumpkin time is over. It's time for whatever else. A holly. You need holly. We need wreaths. And we redecorate our house, and then there's all the shopping. There's Black Friday. There's Cyber Monday. There's, I mean, what, Green Tuesday, Purple Wednesday. I don't know all the names of all the days. But it's, there's all this shopping we've got to do. And then meanwhile, what we're doing is we're spending money that we don't have on stuff we don't need for people who don't really need it, right? That's, that is what Christmas is all about. It's the meaning of the season, right? It's like, you know, and so that's, that's what we kind of fall into. We fall into this place where we just hustle and bustle. And ironically, this season of Thanksgiving and of peace on earth and, and, and of, of New Year's resolution, it can become a time of stress, can't it? I spent, you know, I don't know, an hour and a half on the phone this week talking with family about figuring out how we're gonna all eat Thanksgiving together. Like, and it's good, we want that, but in the end, on some level, there's just things that, Get in the way, and you, you got you to gotta pick. you got to choose. So, and now hear me clearly. I'm not saying that these things are all bad. I, I, I love the holiday seasons. I think it's great to get with family. I'm also not saying that uh, everyone's holidays are like that. Maybe you have a much more polished holiday because you've got a much more organized itinerary than the rest of us. But I think that this season is a snapshot of what the rest of our life can be like. We just pile in a lot of stuff. And, and what I want to do today is I want to teach us a word as a community that we're going to be employing for the next few weeks. And the word is clutter. Can we just all say that together? Say clutter. Clutter. Okay, just, just clutter. It's the stuff that comes in. Here's what clutter is by my definition for this series. Clutter is the stuff that comes in and takes up space that could be occupied by something truly and deeply meaningful. It's clutter. But what happens is we pack it in and then we don't have room for the good stuff and Clearing the clutter means making room by making choices and deciding what has to go. And so it's from that place that I want to step into this place of saying, let's make sure we're in the right place. If you're going to play basketball, you want to play in a basketball place. You're going to play maybe in a gym or an outside court or somewhere where you can throw a ball. Not in your grandmama's parlor, right? That's not where you want to play basketball. You want, you want to play football? You want to play football in a football space, outside in a field or a place where there's plenty of open room. You don't want to play in like a, a, like a tea shop, right? You want to read? You want to read in a reading space. You, you don't want to read outside in the rain and snow. Like you want to be cuddled up on a blanket somewhere on a couch and reading and enjoying that book. And so the same thing is true as we're looking for breathing room in our life. God designed us to live life in a particular space, but we're really good at leaving that space. We're really good at coming over here and kind of creating our own spaces. And unfortunately, when we do that, not only does it take us away from the way God designed us, but it brings extra clutter into our life that keeps us from knowing and living for him the way that I think we could. So what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at a big passage of scripture today from the Bible. I love every week at Venture Church that I get the opportunity to come and look to the Bible for the answers, the, the answers to life's most important questions. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 today. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to it. Ephesians chapter 2. You're going to find it in the New Testament of the Bible, which is like that last third of the Bible that's about Jesus' life and teachings and about the early church. And um, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians was a book written by the Apostle Paul. Okay, and Paul wrote this as a letter 
to a bunch of people that lived in a city called Ephesus. They were the Ephesians. And so he's writing to the Ephesians in Ephesus. A really interesting point about the church at Ephesus is that he lived there for many, many years. Paul, the great apostle Paul, lived in Ephesus and served there. And he, these people were like family to him. And so when you read the book of Ephesians, you really can you see and you can really start to paint a picture of how uh, intimately he loved this group of people that he considered like family. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, in all of chapter 1, basically, uh, Paul is painting this picture of how Jesus connected mankind with God's love. And he highlights the fact that Jesus' sacrifice is the only thing that can connect us with God because uh, of sin. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. And then he also talks about the power of God through his Holy Spirit. That's chapter 1. And that's kind of the great blessing of what Jesus is all about. But chapter 2, he gets into this really practical piece. What he wants to do is give us a picture, an abbreviated version of what God is doing for us. And so, if you will, I want to look at that together with you. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to actually read verses 1 through 10, uh, a little bit bigger section of Scripture. And I'm just going to read the first, uh, just the first few verses here, about the first three verses. Here we go. In Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. But like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. When you read this passage, it's kind of like, oh, that's, that's like a sad place in the Bible. It, it really starts out kind of heavy. It, it says, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. Transgression and sin. Sin is probably a word that you know, we use, we think about, we know what it means. Transgression, not so much. What I want to do right now is, is actually just take a look at those two words, transgression and sin, and just kind of paint a picture of what those two words specifically mean. And so I've done this before, but it's been a long time, and I just want to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Uh, first of all, we're going to draw this box right here. Big, big uh, rectangle, square shape, okay? This box represents something. Uh, it represents boundaries, boundaries. That inside this area is the area that God has said, I want you to live in. And outside this area is the area that God says, you don't need to go there. You don't need to go there. As a kid, uh, I remember having boundaries in my life. Like I remember, I'll never forget, there's this green sign down my street. My parents said, that's the green sign. Don't go past the green sign when you're riding your bike. That's as far as you need to go. Down there, that's the stop sign. Don't pass the stop sign. That's your boundary. You don't need to go any farther than that. And there was also another boundary that we had. We, we weren't allowed to go into people's houses unless we asked permission each time. And it didn't matter if there was something that we already knew. And I remember as a kid kind of feeling cramped by that. Like, come on. Like, I've got a bike. I don't see why I can't just drive to, you know, wherever I want to go. That doesn't make any sense to me. But now that I'm a dad, I, I completely understand. Because there's some things about this area out here that I now know more about than my son does. For example, I, I, I might know that outside this area, I can't see you. I can't see you, so I don't want you to go over there because I don't know if something's going on with you. I also might have uh, checked out this area, and I know for a fact that it's safe, right? As a parent, I know that. I, I might also have checked out this area, and I know that there are things over there that can be harmful to my kids. The boundaries are there because of a reason that inside the area is freedom and outside of the area is something that could be potentially dangerous to us. God gives us boundaries. 
These are the things that God says, don't do. He says, don't do this. Don't, don't go there. Don't be that type of person. Don't do these things. Don't say these things. Things like don't steal, don't kill, don't worry, don't lie, don't pay, repay wrong for wrong, don't be immoral. These are boundaries. These are boundaries that God has set up because he knows something that we don't know. It says in our verse in Ephesians chapter 1, it says that we were once lost, we were dead in our transgressions and sin. Here's something that God knows about this space. He knows that out here is death. In fact, the word for crossing this line is transgression. I have transgressed the line. I have crossed the line. Why does transgression bring us death? Because in here, we have a connection with God. God is able to be with us. We're gonna talk about that in just a second. Out here is an area where God says, I don't go there and I don't want you there. The problem is we've all kind of had a problem with this. If you look at uh, Romans chapter three, verse 23, the same, the same guy, Paul, is talking about this and he says, for all have sinned and they've fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed a mark. That's the second thing I wanna talk about because I'm gonna draw it down here. We talk about transgressions. Now let's talk about sin. This is a target, okay? And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make it like a little, little target practice place. You got your stand in the back. You got your bow and arrow over here, all right? I'm gonna have like a, I got a backwards bow and arrow. So here we go, all right. Here's the thing. God throughout life has set up these targets for us to hit. The word sin, the word sin is an old word that basically means to miss the mark. It's an old archery term. And so you might be aiming at a target and you miss completely or you miss the target and you miss the bullseye, whatever you were aiming at, and the person you were with might would have said, oh, sin, you missed, you missed. God has set up these targets for us to hit. Some of these things are, 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 are moral things. He says, I want you to be morally uh, sound. I want you to, a, a big thing in our culture is the way that we view sexuality. He says, I want you to take all your sexual energy and I want you to only use it in marriage. That's the target I want you to hit, not anything outside of that. He wants us to be people who have self-control. That's the target I want you to hit. He says, these are the things I want you to hit. And when we miss those things, it's called sin. So Paul says in Ephesians chapter one, in verse one, he says that there was sin and there was transgression, and we were dead in these places. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. Sin and God are like oil and water. They don't mix. God, by his very nature, is pure. He's holy. He has no sin in him, and he cannot be with it and stand to be in the presence of it. Anything that has sin in it is something that God says, I want to be with you, but I can't. And some people have a hard struggle with this. I know I have. Because the question is, well, well I'm out here, so what? Like, I'm pretty close to the boundaries. There's no way God could look at my life and say that I'm a bad person. I'm a good person. Does God not love me? You know, there, there have been a many of loving parents that have had to kick their kids out of the house. Why? Because their kids certain, simply couldn't learn to live by the rules they set up. I've set boundaries, I've set targets, and you're missing them. So we are now incompatible. The lifestyle that you lead and the lifestyle that has to be held in this home are incompatible, and that's kind of the way it is with God. He's like, look, I love you. It's not that I don't love you. 
is that your lifestyle and my purity are incompatible. Now, if we left it at that, it'd be really sad. I'm like, oh, well, that stinks. Oh, well, we're all hanging out out here in death. That's no good. Uh, but what I want to do now is change gears. We're going to look at verse 4. We're, we're looking at Ephesians 2, chapter 1 through 10, or verses 1 through 10. We've read 1 through 3. Let's watch it as it turns on verse 4. It says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. I'm so pumped about Jesus, guys. I, I really am. Like the idea that Jesus can take us from this outside area, which is death, which is missing the target, which is crossing the boundaries, and he can say, I can get you out of that. There's actually no other way except for me to get out of that. It says, God who is rich in mercy. One of the pivotal moments as a kid for me was a moment when I was in trouble. <laughs> I was in trouble a lot as a kid. Uh, and I remember one day, I don't even know what I had done wrong, but my mom was looking eye to eye with me and she said, Chris, I am either going to spank you or you can have some mercy. And I remember, I don't know how old I was. I might have been six or seven years old. I just remember going, I don't know what mercy is, but that sounds way better than a spanking. Like, can I have that? I want some of the mercy things. Like, what is mercy? She says, mercy is when you deserve a punishment, but you don't get it. I'm kind of like, well, that's a no-brainer. Yes, please. I would like a healthy serving of mercy. All that you got. And so my mom then, she was a great Christian woman, she then begins to tell me about God and about how God has this mercy for us. We deserve punishment. Why? Because we've crossed the lines, because we've missed the targets. We haven't lived the life that he set up for us. We are incompatible because of the lifestyle that we choose. But God says, listen, here's the deal though. I can offer you some mercy. I can give you something that you can't earn and you don't deserve, but I'm going to give it to you. And verse 4 kills it. Let's look at it again. Can we put it back on the screen? It says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with who? Christ. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. Out here is death. This, this is what's really cool. In this space is life. It's life, it's freedom. It's the opportunity to live the way that we were designed to live. It is a space, and check it out, this is a space that has been created by God's grace. We've all messed up. We've all missed that mark. But God says, listen, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace that you've been saved. Guys, we, we bring a lot of clutter into our life. We really do. We do our best to just kind of build our own, our own little kingdoms and our own little pockets of the world that we can have control over. We really do. But when we do that, what we're doing is we're, we're bringing in clutter. Let me give you some examples. Sometimes we're dishonest. You know why? Because sometimes it's just easier than telling the truth on us for a moment. Like, I don't want to tell the truth because that's going to embarrass me or put me in a situation I don't want to be in. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be uncomfortable. I would just rather be dishonest. And what we do is we cross over here in this area and we begin to build a space. But it brings in this clutter because with that dishonesty becomes the work of lies, right? Lies build on lies, build on lies. And it becomes a full-time job just maintaining lies. Sometimes we can be hurtful to people. It's another thing we do. We come out here, we're hurtful people. Why are we hurtful people? On one hand, it's like we got all these campaigns, anti-bullying and stuff on TV. I think it's great. But you know why we're hurtful to people? 
because it builds us up. Makes me feel good right now. In this moment, I feel good. And so I, you, you made a mistake while you were driving, and I'm going to call you in front of my kids who are in the backseat a complete idiot moron. That person probably could have a PhD, could be like curing cancer in his research, but like he forgot to use his turn signal. So right now, we're going to be hurtful to them to build ourselves up. And what that does is it begins cluttering in this outside space. We do other things, guys. We build addictions to substances. Why? Because it's easier in the moment to try to take the edge off. But you go to a, a substance abuse meeting where people are trying to recover from that addiction and ask them, is it easier in the long run? It's not. Maybe we have brokenness in our lives and, 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 and there's like this, uh, there's this relationship void, there's this love void in our lives, so what do we do? Well, we look at pornography, we read trashy love romance novels, we date people who are no good for us and we have shallow relationships, why? Well, because in the moment it just feels good, but what are we doing? We're, 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 building, we're building this space outside of where God designed us to live. We do so many different things and we live outside of our financial means. We spend more money than we make, why? Because someone along the way told us that as long as it makes us feel good, it's okay. And we overschedule our lives, why? Because we're scared we're gonna miss something. And all the while, it only leads to one thing, separation from God. Because many times when we try to build up our own lives, we have to cross lines to get there. We have to miss targets to get there. And in the process, we miss this amazing space of life that God has set up for us. Maybe for you, this whole transgression and sin and death and life thing seems a little heavy. In fact, it might, I'll just be honest, if, if you're new to church, this is your first time, you've only been coming for a few weeks or just a little while, you might be like, yeah, this, this just kind of sounds like a bunch of religion. I'm not interested in that. Uh, I just, I want to... I, I get it, I get it. Sometimes it happens that some of these things that come across our mind just seem like, yeah, that, okay, I see what you're doing here. You're trying to convince me, to brainwash me, to get me as, here, here's all I wanna challenge you with and ask you. Have you noticed the clutter? Have you noticed the clutter? The clutter that happens when we try to fill our own lives and do our own things and fulfill ourselves? Because in that space is clutter and we cannot fully experience what God has for us. So maybe you're in that place, but maybe you're hearing and you're like, I've been coming for a few weeks and I, I kinda get what's going on. As I do so many times, I just wanna invite you to come back. Come back one more week, see what else is going on with this whole clutter and finding room for what matters series that we're doing. Because I'm gonna tell you, God has set up this space, space that he built with his grace, where not only life just works, but we have been relieved of death, separation from God and the clutter. A conversation that I hear a lot from people, um, and it doesn't matter, like I hear it a lot, we got, we got a lot of people in our, our family here or kind of that, that mid-20s to down to the early college age, and, and this is kind of a, a conversation I hear a lot from, from you guys when I hang out is this idea of, I'm trying to find my purpose, or I'm trying to find where I fit in, or I'm trying to find my, my goal in life, and that's a really important conversation. I also wanna let you guys know it's not isolated to people in their 20s and under. I mean, I know people in their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and on up who are still going, I still can't wait till I grow up. Man, I'm trying to decide exactly what my purpose on this earth is, right? And, and I, I think part of the solution to that problem is that we've gotta quit trying to build the space ourselves. Because the more we do that, the more we just bring in and drag in clutter. And the whole point for Christianity from God, 
the whole point of Jesus is to bring life, full and rich and abundant life. And I'm not gonna promise you that everything's gonna be happy and good all the time. In fact, when people become Christians, one of the first thing they notice is like, some things got harder. They did, like I had to sacrifice things, I had to like treat people differently, I don't like that. But what happens is you find yourself in the place that works and none of that matters. None of that matters. I just wanna share this for anyone who might not have heard it or might not have heard it recently and needs to be reminded. The way that this life space was created was because God looked down on humanity. He saw our sin and transgression problem and he said, I want to give them a way to life. And so what did he do? He made himself a human being, God did. He came to earth, he lived, and as he was here, we call him Jesus. That's who Jesus is, he's God in the flesh. And he comes down here and he lives a life and it's an amazing life, but not only that, he comes out here, check this out guys, see this? Death. He says, the one thing that is our biggest enemy is death, not just physical death, but spiritual death, which is that separation from God. He said, I came here to defeat that. So you've heard the story of Jesus dying on the cross and then raising from the dead. And you know what he did in that moment? He defeated death. I love when Paul writes to the church that's in Corinth, the city there in, near Greece. He says, man, death, where's your victory? Yeah, your victory is swallowed up in defeat because I beat your tail. <laughs> that's my paraphrase. But that's Jesus' stance on death. He brings us life. He creates this space where life works. And so what I wanna do is I wanna wrap out the rest of this uh, verses uh, six through 10. We're gonna read six and seven first and just see where Paul takes us as we work on making sure we're in the right place. Verse six, it says, as God raised us up with Christ and seated him, sorry, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms of Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us through Christ Jesus. You see that visual? It says that in verse six, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Guys, it's, it's a rat race, man. There's clutter. There's so much in life that just kind of keeps us away from God and we begin building this space to try to make life work. And this is what God offers us. He said, I'm reaching down and I'm going to grab you and raise you up. Why? To borrow our metaphor so that we can find breathing room, so that we can breathe deeply and live instead of struggle in the clutter. Verse eight, I love this, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, it's not by works, so no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Jesus' love and sacrifice creates space for us to live and to thrive. God creates this space, and there is nothing that you or I can do to earn it. It says that we are saved by grace, not by works, so nobody can boast. 
You know, I've said this many times, but just for the person who might not have heard it before, sometimes, you know what religion is? Religion is us trying to build a staircase to God. Now, that's not how we see it, but what we try to do is we try to go through the right ceremonies and be the right person and do the right things, and, and item after item after action after action, we build this case for ourselves so that we can then look at God and say, I tried really hard and I was good enough. And God looks down at the little stepladder that we built and says, I'm sorry, the space is just still too big. That's religion. I'm not bashing religion. It's been a good force in some ways, but you know what? That's what we do sometimes with God. And this is what Jesus is about. Jesus says, look, I see you down there trying really hard, and that's good. I want you to do good things, but this is what I'm going to do. Since you can't build a ladder big enough, I'm going to reach down and come to you. And that's the difference between religion and the relationship that God offers through Jesus. At our church, uh, we've got these three goals. We say we want to be God-chasing, grace-shaped, love agents. You remember that? Have you heard this a million times? God-chasing, grace-shaped, love agents. And that's what that grace piece is about, grace-shaped. A lot of the things in this world can shape us. Our experiences or our lack of experiences, our failures and our successes, how cool our house is or how embarrassed we are by the cardboard box that we have to sleep in. You know, these are our experiences and they shape us. And that's us in this outside realm. But God says, listen, I shape you with my grace. And you are not defined by the person that you once were, but by only by the person you can be in my love and my grace. And so we wanna be God-chasing, grace-shaped, Love agents. And in doing so, we can be in the right place to breathe easy. Two more things before we go. First is this. Um, as I look over this room, we're all in different places. That's just the reality of all life. I don't know where this particular talk hits you. But if you're a place where you feel like you're kind of hanging out out here, and you want to be in that place of life where you can finally breathe deeply and feel like your life is really headed where God wants to be going, I want to invite you to accept the grace of God. You know the people that accept and believe that Jesus did come and die and rose from the dead and then who begin to not only believe that but live by the teachings that he gave, that is the place where God lets us into this space. Accepting Jesus and deciding that you want to live for him. Following through, there's a place in scripture, several places in scripture, where the first thing that we do after we decide, I want to do this, God, I realize I'm a sinner, I realize I've transgressed, but I want to be back in your place. The first thing that we're told to do in the Bible is go be baptized. Baptism is like a, is like a wedding ceremony between you and God. It's where at the moment where you're kind of standing at the altar with God going, listen, I'm in. I'm in between me and whoever else is here watching. Between you, it's also where the Bible tells us we come into contact with his Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of our sins. It's a beautiful moment. And maybe you're at that moment where you're like, I just need to take this step and be all in. Today, right after church, I'm trying my best to finish up because I'm excited about this. Today, right after church, we got a guy, uh, a guy Nathaniel, he's in the back now. Uh, he has been up in school in Philadelphia, but he actually has been going to church here for a little while. And he called us this week and said, I'm gonna be home from school this week. I've been just, I've been trying to read my Bible. I'm trying to get better in touch with God, and I've decided I, I want to do this. I want to go all in. I want to be a Christian. Can we, can we baptize me this Sunday? I said, yes. Yes. Can we celebrate that? That's awesome. Woo! Um, but I want to let you know, uh, we got an Olympic-sized swimming pool in the back, and we can baptize as many people as we need to, okay? And so maybe if you're in a point right now where you're like, look, I'm tired of waiting. I'm going to do it. And today could be your day. 
Today could be your day. Or you could speak to one of our volunteers in the back or talk to me if that's just a decision or a conversation that you want to begin to have. I said there were two things. This is the last thing. Uh, unfortunately, I've had more than my fair share of speeding tickets in my life. Anybody with me? Um, it's not that I'm a bad driver. I'm really a pretty good driver. But the problem is I'm the guy who about once every one or two years, I'm just driving. Speed limits changes. I didn't notice it. Got my cruise control. I'm set five above the real speed limit, which, you know, that's socially acceptable, right? But then if you're going 70 and a 65, but then it changes to like 55 or 50, then you're busted. So then you get a speeding ticket. Now, I, I, I hate that moment. You feel so helpless where you see the blue lights in your rearview mirror. And you're like, oh, man. And then you just realize, like, your whole day's ruined. And you pull over. And then the guy comes over. And I, know, I don't know if you're like me, but me, like, I can never find my registration card. It's never where I put it. And so I'm digging in my glove compartment the whole time. I'm like, is he thinking I'm digging for a gun or, like, stashing my drugs or something? Like, I'm really just looking for this card. And I'm looking for it. I'm nervous. And then he comes up. He's like, you know why I pulled you over? I'm like, yes, I know. I was speeding. Like, I know. I know what happened here. I just figured this out when I saw you. There's that anxiety that builds. And then he makes... It makes me feel like a stupid idiot, like child, and I'm not, and I'm just like, and, I, and that's just really me feeling insecure. So now he's just doing his job, and then there's that long walk back to his car, and then he sits back there for like 45 minutes. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, maybe he's like checking out my Facebook profile, like seeing if I am who I am. I don't know what he's doing, and then he's back there, and the whole time, I got enough time to begin thinking now about how bad this actually is, because the worst part hasn't happened yet. You know what it is? I got to call my wife and tell her that I got a speeding ticket. You know what I mean? Like, and she's like, and then she's going to tell me all the stuff that I already know. She's going to tell me I should have been watching my speed. I should have been paying attention. I just going to, the insurance is going to go up. We're going to pay court fees. I'm like, I already know that, but I have to sit here and let you tell me this. And then, then comes this moment where he's walking back. And I'm like, fine, let's just get this over with. Okay. You know that, you know that, that stress, that tension that builds? It's, it's clutter, man. It's all clutter. And I'm drawing a big picture for you here. It's clutter. It's the stuff that goes on that distracts us from the truth. What is the truth? I was speeding. I broke the law. And I deserve a ticket, right? It doesn't matter how many excuses I make to this guy or how nice he feels today. I broke the law and I deserve a ticket, right? It's hard to say that. But every now and then, this really cool thing happens. He comes to the window and, and I roll it back down. It's like, uh, Mr. Woolard, checked you out. Everything looks good. And uh, I'm just going to let you off with a warning today. I was guilty. I was dead to rights. I deserved everything that I got. My insurance should have gone up. I should have had court calls. I was supposed to have to drive back to whatever county I'm in right now to go to court. I don't even know this place. All that wiped away. Why? One word. Grace. The police officer who in that moment had the authority to judge whether or not I should get a ticket decided not to give me one. And that's just an analogy. There are no perfect analogies. But you know what happens in that moment? Ready? It's this. I can finally breathe deep. And as we continue this teaching series for three more weeks, guys, I hope as a community, as a family, we can learn to breathe deep and that it will start by making sure we're in the right place. And then move from there so that not only can we be in the right place, but from here, the very last section of that verse we didn't even get into, says that God saved us to do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. Because from this place, guys, we can make this world an amazing place to live because of God's love. Let me pray for you guys today. Lord, I love you and I thank you for the opportunity to share your, your word. And I just ask that we can find breathing room in our life. That it not be a, um, a religious thing where we're just trying to go through a checklist or 
or, or just feel better about ourselves, but that instead we can genuinely interact with you. God, I thank you for Paul, the guy who wrote Ephesians and, and, Colos- and Corinthians and Romans that we looked at all today. This is a guy who understood grace. He was a guy who was literally a murderer, <laughs> but was forgiven because of your grace and because of that was able to share your love. Lord, as we move from this place on to whatever's next, I pray that we can uh, begin to create some breathing room in our life by clearing out the clutter and maybe the first bit of clutter we need to clear out is, is sin, transgression. We need to just, just need to knock it down, clear the space. Thank you for providing that space for us and help us to live in it fully. We pray it all in Jesus' name.